the days of Eden, folks been sinful mind. Nowadays they're even eating apples in their pie. Check us out on Facebook, follow and or tweet to us at On The Sound Beat or listen to more episodes right now at soundbeat.org. Soundbeat is produced at the Belfer Audio Archive, Syracuse University Libraries. I'm Brett Barry. Listening to the voice of Maui, KAKUFM 88.5. It's time to pound the poi on the local show, KAKUFM Kahalui Maui, the voice of Maui. Welcome to the local show right here on KAKU 88.5 FM, The Voice of Maui. Broadcasting out of Akaku Maui Community Media Center in downtown Kahului, Derry Road. And it's a special episode because in the guest seat today we have the amazing director, filmmaker, author, comic book creator, Jackie Kong. Aloha, Jackie. How are you? Aloha. Very good. Happy to be here. Yes, and we're going to be talking about um, Blood Diner, which is uh, there's going to be a screening and Q and A session over at Pro Arts Maui Saturday, November eighteenth at seven thirty p.m. You can call in advance eight zero eight four six three six five five zero and pick up some tickets and stuff like that. All pro- uh, proceeds, some of the proceeds will be going to the Maui. Rapid, I think Maui Rapid Maui response. Relief yeah. uh, Response. Yes, yes. Yes. We're, yes. All the Kong comic, uh, all my proceeds are heading to the Maui mm-hmm. Relief Response Fund. Right. To help Kong out. Comics, LSE. And um, as well as the kind of Maui Comics and Collectibles as well as um, helping bring this screening to the island. Bara Alika. <laughs> mm, and then Bara Kavika too. Bara Kavika yes. with Moku Moku over there. And Mahalo for coming in. And sitting in on the show, we were already talking a lot about her film, Blood Diner. It's an amazing, crazy, shocking cult horror classic, cult comedy classic as well. I remember I was telling her that I would, I would watch it on USA Up All Night, which was hosted by Gilbert Gottfried on Saturday nights. And the Friday nights was um, Rhonda Shear. Yeah, in fact, yeah. you can watch Blood Diner uh, on, and all my films on on Amazon. That's right, Amazon and Prime. rent it. But it's not the same as seeing it in the theater. Definitely, I, sh- I shot the film to be seen in a theater, thirty-five millimeter, uh, epic, you know, scope, not to be seen on a small screen. Yes. So for all of you who are fans of the film, if you have not seen it on the big screen, 
you haven't seen mm -hmm. it. You've got to yeah. catch it. There's like three layers of action I'm directing. 18 and over, no kids. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's 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 kind of like shocking if you're. Uh, uh, but I think that now you know, nowadays that's still shocking, isn't yeah. it? It's still <laughs> it's still shocking, I, depending on. But you know, there's a lot of people out there that love that stuff. We grew up watching so much. You, you think about it, a lot of the movies in the 80s had that shock factor, even for mainstream and all the way to uh, uh, in the, uh, lower independent films too as well. And there's always that, that, that extreme violent factor because you're thinking like, I'm wearing Predator right now. Mm -hmm. That was gory stuff. Robocop was right. gory stuff. Well, there's, and then there's Blood a... Diner is awesome. It... <laughs> awesome. Or me being a horror aficionado. Especially well, it, it took it to another level because even in the 80s when I shot it, when I screened it for the uh, rating board, um, they shut the film off and they said they cannot rate this movie because it's too, too out there. I mean, mm -hmm. not only the violence, it was the, they were upset because the two leads were such good looking guys mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then killing people with glee in order to create a female Frankenstein, and I won't spill it too much because it's yeah. just out there. You have to see it in person to understand and watch the whole thing because it, it's it's a visionary like. Thank you. Awesomeness, <laughs> really. The visuals in there is awesome. Well, I you know I spent a lot of time creating a breakdown and working with my department heads to create an incredible look. The film mm -hmm. is a timeless has a timeless look yeah. yeah it's the music is also timeless wagner's playing as a theme for the diner um doo-wop is playing for the you know these are themes that yeah. that are were not of that time so when you watch the film you don't know when this takes place that's why it's mm -hmm. like so current right now and when i did it you know there wasn't a lot of you know there's a disclaimer at the beginning that you know there's a lot of violence in the movie but mm -hmm. at that time you know um when I the disclaimer actually is that there's a mass killing. Well, we have one yeah. now every what three a day. Yeah. But when I made the film, it was so ahead of its time. There weren't any. I mean, maybe a few. Maybe you had a couple. But mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, Europeans actually love this film because they said it's so American. <laughs> right. <laughs> they said huh. she's captured this Americana of 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 this kind of mindset but in a way that's shocking but funny and scary all at the same time yes, yes. and um so i tell people even if you don't like the genre wait till the last 10 minutes of the movie because that is some masterful filmmaking <laughs> i shot 360 shots for a 10 minute sequence mm -hmm. that's like a war zone and um even when they gave it to the editor he had no idea how to cut it he goes I don't know what there's it's like one page in the script and you shot mm -hmm. 350 shots and and um 360 shots 90 setups a day for four days i mean it was crazy 100 extras turning into zombies turning mm -hmm. eating each other um no one makes it out alive a lot of physical effects yeah, a, a, lot, a of, lot, lot of prosthetics mm -hmm. we had a through z zombie attacks all had to have prosthetics built for uh, that big scene. How much blood do you guys have been through? Oh my God, blood and, <laughs> blood and body parts. <laughs> we were, it was pretty out there. And um, so the rating board shut it off and said, you know, we can't rate this. It's gonna get mm -hmm. a, a, a really like a, a triple X because of the yeah. violence. And I said, I can't cut it because th that's the movie. I'm not mm -hmm. cutting one frame. And so I said, let's take it out unrated. So what you're looking at is a real piece of the entire piece that I had envisioned because mm -hmm. I refused to cut anything mm -hmm. and um, and then what happened was when you 
are not rated, or if you get such a tough rating, mm-hmm. they you cannot advertise it theatrically. So it went overseas to Europe and Japan, mm-hmm. major a major hit in Germany, Japan, Italy, France, wow. because they got it, and yeah. they didn't have such a stringent rating board, you know, mm-hmm. trying to tell you you can't see this. Now times have the times have caught up with my movie, yeah, and yeah. and even when you watch it, you're still shocked. It's still current, um, as fresh now as it was before. So a lot of big fans of the film bring friends to watch it just to see their reaction. They want to see them because they know it's yeah. you're going you're walking out of this amped. It's almost like going to a concert, rock concert. Yeah. And you and and you can't go home. So when I do the Q&A it's always shocking to everyone that nobody leaves. It could be like 2 in the morning and and yeah. and, and everyone hangs out that because no one wants to go home. So, I'm, I'm so sure you won't want to go home after you yeah. watch this movie. Sure. We're going to be up we're going to be there at Pro Arts Morning to midnight. In Tell fact, you. yeah, We're asking a we, lot of questions. We used yeah. to have to have a party, an after party, just because nobody wanted to leave, even after the Q and A. So wow. we'd all go to a, like at the Alamo Draft House. We'd go to their the House of Wax down in Brooklyn in their brand new bar to have a party till two in the morning. Wow! And 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 then I got kind of exhausted because it was like. <laughs> <laughs> Like it just kept going all night. I need to sleep. Yes. (laughs) Or I didn't get to party because everybody wanted to talk, you know, about it. And um, and so I finally I figured out I I came up with this. I don't know when it started. I guess in Austin, where after the Blood Diner, there would be have a shot with Jackie Kong of Jameson. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) save a save a shot. For, to have with me after you watch the movie because oh, you're going to need goodness. it after you see the film. That is and, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So again, it's Blood Diner uh, this Saturday, November 18, 2023, uh, 6 to 7.30 p.m. Uh, call 808-463-6550 again. Uh, or you can visit proartsmaui.org for more information. And uh, just a quick little blurb. There's so much blurbs or, or description of the of Blood Diner and I kind of wrote a little my, okay, my own and, one. Go so. ahead and write because I, when people ask me what the film is about, yeah. I refuse to say. I said, if you know, you know. Because when you hear this description, mm-hmm. you're gonna go, what the, what the yeah. hell is so this here, here's about? Here's my little description. All right, all right? Uh, two brothers uh, who are cannibalistic psychopaths uh, dismember various women to build a body part to resurrect uh, an ancient goddess, Shitar. And um, they're instructed by their uncle's brain. Oh, and plus they uh, feed humans uh, to vegans in a in their little diner. Yes. <laughs> so you gotta see what all that's American. About. That's all American, everybody. Okay. And not to mention, we did list off a little bit on how some filmmakers possibly saw or maybe did see your film, and then. Wait, I think we can use that in our little film. Yeah. Because I this is with their uncle Anwar, he's talking to them as a brain and eyeballs. Right. And, and many then, people tell me that's their favorite, one of their favorite characters, <laughs> and and I'm not going to tell you. And I, it's really interesting. I, we'll talk about it at the Q and A after yeah. you see the film. But this brain um, was something that I created to because I was inspired at that time by the son of Sam. Oh, uh, yeah. Remember yeah. the, the yeah. son of Sam? Because it was a straight-out horror script. It was like mm-hmm. Goonie guys go around killing people, and you could see them a mile away, and, mm-hmm. and it was just too obvious to me. And so I said, no, no, no. It, we've got to have them be good-looking guys that you want to date. 
that you want to yeah, just yeah. That, that you wouldn't suspect in a million years uh, psychologically be, they're, that they're demented that's yeah. right that they're listening to this brain tell them to do yeah. these things and it's because son of sam his defense after murdering all those people it's a dog was the dog yeah. exactly you know the story the dog the neighbor's dog was barking at night telling him to do those things yeah, yeah. and so and, and that was his obviously he went to jail but he like, <laughs> and he's is, still in jail yeah yeah and this defense is not gonna work by the way if you try that. yeah the dog the brain the telling dog you what told to, me yeah to do these things and so i said but that's so interesting i found that interesting and um so i i tried to create a reasoning behind these guys and therefore they're there was this kind of glee because they were on a mission. You know, um, it wasn't like they were guilty or anything. It was way before Dexter where, mm -hmm. you know, and so it was considered morally like out there. I mean, that's yeah. what shocked the rating board is that, my God, they're, they're, they seem to be enjoying this. They, they don't seem to, you can't tell they're bad guys. Joy killers. Yeah, yeah. It's you can't joy, tell. Pure joy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so this was upsetting to them as then, and they said this has no, uh, socially redeeming values whatsoever, <laughs> and I like that. <laughs> I like wow. that. So, so I said, uh, you know, maybe we should use that somewhere. But you know, it it, it, it is what it is. You know, it, it delivers because it's not obvious, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you have the Goonie guys running around, you it's mile. You can see them a mile away. Uh, it, there's there's no surprise. There's it's not even real because yeah. no one is going to go into that diner. With Definitely. those two guys yeah. working there, right? Yeah. A that, vegan diner. A vegan diner, like, and which I also mm. was playing fun with the whole, you know, um, foodie revolution at that time. Yeah. Because the pre previous to that, there were no like star chefs, and and uh, mm. so that was again ahead of its time. These are like star chef guys that get a reputation for serving great vegan mm -hmm. food, right? And in fact, they're serving body parts from the the victims, and the people are loving it. And so it, it on so many levels, it's out there. <laughs> you got, but, it's, along, it's, it's right up there with some of the best cannibal films out there. You know, there's so many cannibal films. But then Blood Diner takes a ticket because uh, I've heard stories of like people feeding people, not knowing that well, that's it's, just... It's, it's not unusual to have a story like, uh, what is the one with Donny, Johnny Depp? Um, playing Todd, Sweeney Todd. Yeah, Sweeney Todd. Sweeney yeah. Todd is like making meat pies in London and serving yeah. them, you know, to yeah. the customers. You know, what you try to do is do some, do it in a way that no one can predict uh, what's going to happen next. And that Obviously, Blood Diner yeah. does deliver. You can tell people that story, and I promise you when you watch the film, that story is like yeah. a whole other level. And here's the odd thing. There is, like around the early 2000s, I think there's a true crime story, where a guy actually was killing people, stealing their money, but mm -hmm. then didn't know what to do with the meat. But he had a side business of selling hot dogs. <laughs> oh, and God. This yeah. is why I don't need hot yeah. dogs, by the yeah. way. God yeah. knows what they're grounding up and sticking in, yeah. those, in those little, uh, what do you call it, membrane yeah. uh, things. So I don't eat hot dogs. And here's, here's another odd fact. A lot of death metal bands are vegans. Uh. <laughs> Interesting. Like grind, there's a grindcore band. I think Napalm Death. They like they say, oh, they have all of this stuff. They have yeah. all this weird, dismembered stuff, and then on stage we're vegan. And then yeah, <laughs> probably why you know. Yeah, um, I'm, but, pretty, I'm pretty sure they're fans of your film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, they they ran it. Uh, 
I, I, I've been running the film to the live audiences since 2016 now, when they okay. released the, the Blu-ray, at, when Lionsgate released the Blu-ray. Okay. As part of the Vestron, it kicked off the Vestron series um, because everyone loved the film, was so beloved. Mm -hmm. So, um, but they, I wouldn't do the commentary. A lot of people know this. I disappeared and wouldn't show mm -hmm. up for mm -hmm. a lot of things. And I said, I'm not going to do the commentary. Let people figure out what the movie's about on their own. They don't need me talking, explaining it. And uh, and so they said, please, if you do it, I said, what's it? they asked, what is it going to take? And I said, what it's going to take is for me to take the film out theatrically the way it's supposed to be seen on the big screen. Mm -hmm. So I went in with them. They agreed to that. And then we went. I went in and, and did the... Um, uh, timing for for the Blu-ray, and we made a DCP, and I took it out 2016. Sellout crowds everywhere. I mean, everyone wow. was waiting for that movie to come out on uh, nice. a big screen. So, nice. it was uh, a lot of fun. It played. We we took it all around the country. Started on the East Coast. Started started in Austin, Texas, mm. which is perfect for um, the the home of the uh, Fantastic Fest in Alamo yeah, Draft House. Yeah. And then went up to New York. Sold out Brooklyn, the brand new Alamo Draft House there. Um, and and then started moving across the country to the the West Coast. You even played at uh, even played at the on Quentin Tarantino's. Um, uh, yeah, uh, they theaters. called me up and said, Jackie, would you yes. come to do the Q and A at uh, the uh, New Beverly Cinema? Beverly playing, Cinema, yeah. Yeah, they're playing two. They were playing two of my films, um, uh, The Being, which the was being. my first film, mm -hmm. horror film, with three Academy Award winners. Yeah, Martin uh, Landau, Martin Landau, um, Dorothy Malone, and Jose Ferrer. Yeah, and I was only twenty. Three when I started directing, I wrote the film mm. to twenty three. Directed it when I was twenty four. Killed my career <laughs> <laughs> because the movie was supposed to be picked up. Samuel Golden wanted to pick it up, but the producers wanted a, more money. Yeah, yeah. And I said no. Let's go with the prestigious Samuel Golden company. And they said no. We're going to wait and see if we can get more money. And they didn't. Mm -hmm. So it didn't go out in for, a big way. I think for a while, uh, Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, had, had Did he the, try to get his hands on it? I think he. Re I think they tr the, trauma kind of released a little a version yeah, of it. Yeah, I, I was like so pissed oh, because yeah. <laughs> it was like you know, uh, I, I could have had this really great release because they were a hundred percent behind the movie mm -hmm. and loved it. And still to this day, a lot of fans that I have, they either love Blood Diner or they love The Being, but they don't love both. It's like two separate like, horror fan them base. Both. Oh, do you I love them both? Them both? Oh. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I love them it. both. Say so, what? Yeah, because I'm a horror geek. Horror geeks, they're going to love everything well, horror. Well, the, the being, I get people coming up to me saying, this inspired me to go into making movies and making, mm -hmm. uh, doing special effects for films, all the special practical effects that yeah. you had in that film. Um, but I was, uh, you know, but then I did Night Patrol, which was a comedy, mm -hmm. just to prove that I could do it with no money. And so the we, unknown comic, everybody. Yeah. Plus, you work with Linda Blair on that. Linda film Blair, as well. unknown comic, Andrew Dice Clay's mm -hmm. first movie, um, uh, Billy Barty. Yeah. Uh, you know, we had a Pat we had Marita. Pat Marita. I had a great uh, cast of about fifty stand-up comics, and that was a tough one because have you ever tried to control fifty stand-up? Oh comics? God. Everybody, and it was the height of yeah. the cocaine period. I'm sorry, oh, I gotta nuts. mention so this. All going nuts, so everyone's man. going nuts, and they're all hot, and you know, and I'm shooting on weekends because until we got enough money to finish the shoot, and uh, and it was crazy, and I had to direct everybody, and I had to go into rehearsals with everyone, and and wow. show them, you know, it was a, you know, Pat Paul's hilarious. 
Yeah, that's how right. That yeah. Totally. Uh, um, Legendary comedian, face. everybody. Yeah. yeah. Straight face, straight man, and 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 again, this is my touch. It was written for. I think Lyle Wagner, this handsome guy who was supposed to be a womanizer in the mm-hmm. film. I said, how boring is that? I said, let's make, <laughs> let's make it Pat Paulson and women are throwing themselves at him yeah. throughout the film and, and he's oh like, it, you know, get rid no, of this did, one. He did that scene with um, Kit and Nat- yes. Natividad. I had uh, a legendary... Yeah. The legendary Ross Meyer. Ross Meyer, Ross Meyer film. In yeah. fact, I'm, I'm playing tribute to, to a faster pussycat kill kill. Oh, in my fourth issue of, oh, no, uh, of oh, yeah, Spend right. you the got, Night. Everybody's got this comic book series out right now, Spend the Night. This is my new comic book horror, oh. horror comic book series. Um, that is so cool. This is issue number one. Take a look at that cover. It's incredible. That is crazy. This awesome. sold out um, completely Lunar Distribution, which is my distributor, which is one of the biggest the DC okay. comics, yeah. um, sold out. So we're going into a second printing of one in January. Ah, so okay. you'll see a different, slightly different cover. And then there's a cool thing about your comics as well. Really yes. cool thing. I don't know if anyone you. can see it, but That's there right. are hidden QR codes QR. all the way through the comic book that if you scan it with your phone, the score for the comic book will play. So I scored my comic book because I heard music when I yeah, when I write. I hear definitely. you know. So I wrote twenty of these issues. I'm on number four right now, which comes out. In fact, it's kickstarting right now. You mm-hmm. can you can go on, and uh, only until the to the 18th. At, I only kept it as long as the screening. Oh, okay. So right. that people, if they want to buy. Because the comic book stores have it, but a lot of them are sold out. So the only way you can get one through four signed is on the Kickstarter, Spend the Night Kickstarter. That's until the 18th, and that's it. Awesome. But every book has... These uh, has the uh, QR There's code. The soundtrack right there, you guys. Yeah. There's so much, and I, I looked through the soundtrack. It, it's awesome. Okay, I tell you what, it, it's this, this, this room there to actually make it making it into like maybe a tv series someday or well i've written 20 yeah. and the characters will get better and better with each um sh- with each issue that is so cool and awesome. my and the artwork so let me just show you i'm going to try to find a, like an example of this for you like for example i don't know if you can see this oh but uh, this is glory yeah this is uh issue number two what happens to the girls when they try to defy one-Eyed Jenny. They have to make a deal with One-Eyed Jenny, and I can't tell you. One-Eyed Jenny is the villain of the the series. One-Eyed Jenny is an an urban legend I created that they have to make a Mm. deal with to bring one of the friends back from the dead. I do a lot of that, bringing things back from the dead. (laughs) And, uh, and, uh, and, And rarely do those deals work out well. Well, Just per- so you know, if you make a deal yeah. with an urban legend to bring back your friend from the dead, it normally doesn't work out very well. It's perfect for this generation because the yeah. horror generation now, they, they're feeding off of creepy pasta, where there's urban horror legends being created every day. You know, we have like Slender Man, mm-hmm. and now there's this weird one from like the Eastern Europe where it's like a woman or like a Middle Eastern woman that dances. And if you see her dancing outside, then you're done. Yeah, she'll show up in your house (laughs) dancing, and then you're dead. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, you know, to me, was when I was a kid, people said, "How did you come up with this idea?" I said, "You know, when I was a kid, 
the idea of spending the night at a stranger's house was terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. In fact, the first time I had a sleepover at a girlfriend's house, I was about six, seven years old. I remember they're all asleep, and I'm sitting there in their house. It's all foreign and strange to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting up in the middle of the night and walking out the front door and just going home. And I remember the last thing hearing, Jackie's leaving. Jackie's leaving. And then I just walked down the street in the dark, <laughs> um, seven years old, to go back home because it felt scary. Now, in horror, what you try to do is you try to take something that seems kind of everyday and normal mm-hmm. and you try to everybody has fear right yeah. here horror is built on fear so what what do you fear well, going to a vegan restaurant eating human remains that's a big fear <laughs> i mean if you're vegan that's probably one of your top things Definitely. you just don't want to eat yeah. meat yet alone your yeah. you know another customer over or, there or, but, or, or, or getting my brain smashed in, in, in inventive ways you know like right yeah, yeah, right yeah, by, yeah. like the biker scene yeah the biker gets killed and i can't tell you because i don't want to spoil it but he gets it's one of the highlights it's a highlight the, being, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he's played by, uh, real quick, John B. Barton. Shout out to, because he played Buddy on Slaughterhouse, mm-hmm. which is another crazy horror flick in its own right. But totally, I, when I saw that part, I, I had to be reminded because I went back and watched the clip. And I was like, wait, that is freaking Buddy. Well, I'm and, not going to tell you what happens to him, but it was not the way it was scripted, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, the only thing I can tell you, and... Um, so, and there are a lot of things like that. And, yeah. Um, and there are too many to count, and I don't want to tell you because it's going to tip the, the surprise. Mm-hmm. But I can only say that you will be shocked and surprised and entertained. You're, you are the, so basically, though, when it comes out to Blood Diner, the Blood Diner, you're an originator of that type of dark horror comedy because after Blood Diner, we have a string of other ones that did not work. Right. You know, uh, I think one of them that, that this is kind of like um, entertaining to me was my later high school years we had a film called Idle Hands that came out uh, okay yeah. well what happened was previous to Blood Diner ever, all the horror films were serious as a heart attack yeah you know they were just no, there was no humor um, and then I did Blood Diner and it flipped things it changed it and I was like given credit as one of the if not the originator of horror comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not to say that you're going to be laughing all the time. It's a true mix of a way mm-hmm. to sort of like lighten the moment and then shock the hell out of you and then lighten yeah. the moment. and sh- So it's a roller, emotional roller coaster Definitely. ride. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen. If you think this is going to happen, I make a hard left turn and this happens. So, so, so there's constantly this unsettling feeling as you're watching it that you mm-hmm. just don't know what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. that's hard to do with horror fans, by the way. And, mm-hmm. and the horror aficionados are, are like, they love this film. This is like their movie. They get their film tattooed on their bodies. You yeah, they heard that. Like, this, actual, this actual, like, fan, the fandom alone is uh, just awesome because I didn't know that there was actually people that yeah, the, the, got I, the, the poster sh- tattooed to their, yeah. to their legs the, the, and the, stuff. Their calves, their arms. I get uh, fan art of the uh, donut head, which I will not <laughs> I will not spill on, but it will shock and surprise you. You got to see the film and, in person. And no one, is, no one and, and people copy it. That's why I, I keep it very close to my vest, what's happening with mm-hmm. this comic book because I promise you there are things that you that nobody's seen before in the comic yeah completely original yeah. and which is hard because comic books are just rehashing now 
a lot of things and sequels. And this stuff that I wrote, I promise you, it's completely fresh. You're not going to be able to. uh, It's going to be copied for sure. So I don't like spill it, and I don't do a digital release of the comic book. Mm -hmm. A lot of people ask me to do a digital release, and I said, "Why make it completely available?" For people yeah. not to yeah. buy the comic book, but to actually steal my stuff. Well, I'm right there. Physical, uh, cop- physical copies is what I like. I like physical. Well, I'll read the thing in my hand. You have to have that in your hand. I don't know about this whole digital kind of. Yeah, world. you know, the, it's because uh, you know, I, on Kickstarter, a lot of people are offering it, and I don't understand it. The idea is right now, one is already sold out, and it's going to be. Um, when I sign it, even before mm-hmm. it shipped to the stores, before Lunar shipped them, they were selling at $100 for a signed copy. The, the, the market dictates if it's valuable, mm-hmm. and you're think about it, first issue, Always. signed yeah. by the creator, only is going to happen once in a lifetime, right? So even the beginning collector is going to know, grab that series of the first printing. Mm-hmm. And so that's why... This sold out and it's already going. The metal covers are already going for two fifty. I mean, the metal cover of one. Metal, there's a special edition. Metal special cover. edition, wow. and there are only a handful of them available, so they're already sold out at two hundred fifty um, each. So it, it's a, it's a, it's something that people collect because you can imagine if you would have gotten. Walt Disney, the creator of mm-hmm. the first Mickey Mouse comic book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, and you kept it in pristine condition. That's why I'm doing a trade book um, in February of issue one, two, um, oh, okay. three, and four. Yeah. Because people are saying to me they don't want to touch their copies. <laughs> so they're going to yeah. be able to. It's boarded read. and put yeah. away, yeah. This way they can binge read it and they can read it over and over and over while keeping their actual first editions pristine and um so so it's it's a quite a uh, you know it's it's interesting you know but you have to love the book mm-hmm. i mean wait till you see it i i can't describe it i have an incredible team of artists that awesome. i work with and um i'll go into that if we want to talk about it later but yeah, you yeah. Know, check it out well, and, I'll, and i'll be actually selling some of these at the screening nice yeah i brought about 10 so that's all. That's <laughs> all. Ten. Got. So first come first serve basis, everybody. Yeah, yeah. So if you want one, I, I suggest you grab it. But uh, so um, quick little. Let's do maybe a, a little bit of like like a lot of filmmakers will get this. Okay. The film filmmaker questions, like mm. what were your influences growing up? Like oh my goodness. Okay. I you, hate you, those. You hate those. <laughs> I hate I'm so sorry. Because I tell you why. I always get those questions, and I always feel like I leave out something. You know, after after thought, oh, I should have mentioned so-and-so. I did an L.A. Times article one time, and they asked me your favorite directors, and I I gave, and it was like, oh, my God, when I saw it in the L.A. Times, I'm going, I should have mentioned this person and that person, all these people that influenced me um, as a filmmaker. Um, I can only tell you... um, uh, I was influenced because my mother was a, a cinephile. So we was, used to go to the New Art, the New Art Theater in in L.A. I don't know if you mm-hmm. know it, which is all art films. Okay. Um, what, since the time like, I was a like teenager, Fellini and yeah, all Fellini, those guys, yeah. Um, Bergman, um, yeah. Uh, Bertolucci. Uh, uh. So I was really heavily influenced by that, and um, you know, even the weird horror films like uh, Todd Browning's Freaks. Freaks, yeah. 
And um, you mean some of the silent movies like Cabin of Dr. Caligari, yes. stuff like that. And, yeah. and my mom, I think she was an actress, and there were no roles for Asian actresses <laughs> at that oh. period of time. It was like a terrible. No, no. Yeah. And maybe that's why I became a filmmaker, so I could create roles because I realized if you don't write them, yeah. and no one is writing them, then there are no roles. So the idea is, and so we'd take those films apart, and I'd put every time I'd, we'd go to a theater, it was like, not like normal people going to a movie. We'd take the movie apart after, and mm-hmm. have dinner and talk about yeah. what works, what doesn't work, why does this work, who, you know. So we really dissect it. My daughter, I do the same with my daughter, and she says, Mom, normal people don't do that. They just go to a movie, they don't think about it afterwards. Yeah. They, they just. I said, well, I don't... You see sitting down at the table talking about... I see... Did you see that movie? I saw that... I yeah. said, Seven Seal. Let's talk about Seven Seal. Yeah. How great it is. Like, you know. And why does it work? And what yeah. does it... And so, so basically, we dissect it, and it created this kind of analytical thinking... And then I, uh, when I was young, I used to, at those theaters, I used to watch all the Bob Downey Sr. movies, mm, uh, Greaser's yeah. Palace, yeah. Putney Swope. And then I became friends when he moved to L.A. Oh. He's hilarious, by the wow. way. He was hilarious. Bob Downey Sr. And Junior was going to high school at the time in Santa Monica. And, uh, but his dad was made a movie for Warner Brothers. And if you know anything about Out There, his movies are out there. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and um, not horror, just out there, avant-garde. And um, the Warner Brothers brought him to make a movie. And, of course, his style of this underground New York filmmaker is Mm -hmm. not Warner Brothers. So when they saw it, they locked him out of the cutting room. (laughs) And I'm going, Bob. He goes, yeah, they locked me out. It was some destroyed his work. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Because they didn't get it. You know, one of the reasons why Blood Diner works is because I had full control. The budget yeah. was so low. I shot that film in 18 days, and they, and it was bonded by a bond company, which was insane because nobody bonds mm-hmm. these low-budget movies. They didn't want to even breathe near me because they were afraid that I would go over budget and they'd have to take over the movie. So um, they let me alone, and they let me do whatever I wanted, so I had free reign to create what I wanted to create. Awesome. Yeah, the only yeah. thing I wouldn't do was cut it after the rating board mm-hmm. said, and, and, you know, that was the movie. I said, I don't even understand what it would be down to, what, three minutes? <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut everything out, and it'll we'll be a, a three-minute movie. But, yeah. you know, but again, Europeans, uh, the Japanese, the Asian market, mm-hmm. Uh, the European market, South American market, they all got it. I'm sure, and, and I'm sure, the U.S. Uh, caught up later. I'm sure that um, your film was kind of banned in England. I don't remember because what the Eng- grosses were in England. England had... I don't remember. All I know is Italy, Fran- yeah. um, France, Germany especially. There was, a- there was this weird ratings thing that was happening in Britain at the time, in the United Kingdom, hmm. where they were listing films off as called Video Nasties, and they were banned in that country. Really? See, I never heard about yeah. that. Yeah, and okay. I think um, your film was up was there with the- one of them, <laughs> along with like <laughs> Good. Cannibal Holocaust <laughs> and like... Uh, this is one movie pieces that came out in the eighties as well. Really? The slasher film oh, with like see, I learned something stuff. every day. Yeah, I mean, it's like I had no idea. All I know is I never heard anything about England as far as grosses. All I heard. I think that's was, why. Yeah, yeah. and in medial uh, nasties. And in Japan, they wanted a sequel. Oh. Uh, Toho said they love the film. In fact, I have huge fans like mm-hmm. Peach Momoko, who won the Eisner Award for. Uh, oh. She's doing the Marvel series. Incredible, and I, I called her. I said, I said, Peach, would you do a cover for me for the for the book? And okay. she goes, 
oh my god it's Jackie Kong I love Blood Diner <laughs> awesome <laughs> it was like weirdly you know yeah. a lot of artists are my fans and she goes I'd love to do a cover but I'm in, under contract with Marvel it's, right now it's crazy to find out like, yeah. how many people up, you know that love your work I mean you even told me that Guillermo del Toro as well is, is, a, is a fan that of your work and, as and well and Quentin he, can, Quentin do, Tarantino, he yeah. can do every scene from Night Patrol in fact, he did it for me. He said, Jackie, Jackie, what is your favorite scene from, from Reservoir Dogs? So I said, I don't have a favorite scene. He goes, well, my favorite scene, of course. <laughs> my, favorite, <laughs> my favorite scene of your film is that scene in which Officer Judy says, and I don't know, I can't say language here, but yeah. yeah it's so, an expletive yeah, yeah, line, yeah. Right. So, and then he acts it out. He does the whole thing. He, he's got this photographic memory of acting out your stuff. Oh, he's the most hardcore cinephile. Ever. That's right. I mean, he, knows how yeah. to, he knows how to rip off everybody's yeah. work and, and, and regurgitate. Yeah. Agitate it yeah. as his work, you know. That's obviously his, because yeah. you know when you watch Kill Bill, um, all oh I see, God. all I see is the old school kung fu movies right. a lot. Yeah. All the Hong Kong movies that he watched in the um, the Golden Harvest movies and and the Run Run Shaw films, yeah. where where he re, the audience in the U.S. had not seen them, you know. So mm -hmm. he really took it, put it into a story, and then real that and the Samurai films, he just knew yeah. how to totally. Yeah. Um, make it like oh that's his genius when in fact you know th these were these were things mm -hmm. taken from uh, what is it called cultural um, I lost <laughs> cultural, cultural appropriation appropriation <laughs> that's it cultural appropriation yeah. well, you know well, I don't well. mind they do it in music but I just don't want anyone taking my stuff before I get it out yeah, first definitely. you know yeah, have full it, control and that's the best thing too when you have when it's a filmmaker that has full control of their art and that's what makes it more um, uh, popular than because I, I love films like that or well, I love because you have a, like there's that. a vision yeah. You know, you, this is why when they give you notes, like on Blood Diner, I got six pages of notes from the producer, from the, mm -hmm. the, the company, Vestron, that funded the film. Six pages. And she wrote all this stuff. I said, you know what? I'm not going to do any of that stuff. Throw it out the window. Yeah, throw yeah. it out the window. Yeah. I, you know, what happens is if you get these notes from the, not, not the, 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 the office, Mm -hmm. It's almost like they don't know, and they're making these suggestions. You should do this. You should. I said, filmmakers do not do that. Because they see it turns into a yeah. big mess. Yeah. If it's your vision, just just say, look, just tell me how you feel. I'll hear how you feel, but don't give me any suggestions on mm -hmm. what you think I should do and shouldn't do. And yeah. because if you start listening to that, it's like it turns into uh, too many chefs m with no vision, and mm -hmm. it just turns into a mess. Mm -hmm. If you're going to put your name to it, and you want that story told that's why i love the comic book i get to tell the story I, the way i want yes. to tell it and i get to work with these amazing artists that take it next level with me and so it, it becomes a joy the comic book world is actually unlike the film world in that these are like purest artists so there's none mm -hmm. of this mm -hmm. everyone's sharing something everyone's giving something mm -hmm. and taking and, and and other artists there's no kind of competition they want to see you do well if, especially if they love your work in the film, they're generous in, in saying, hey, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, with ideas. Not only ideas, but ideas that will help you get your book out there. Yeah. You know, they're not holding it in and saying, okay, there's only so much of the pie, so I'm not telling anybody. Where in the comic book world, there's a world of artists that are just artists. Yes. And so I like that world. Um, yes, it'll probably be made into a series because I've made 20 of them and they get better and better and better. 
Um, but I'm not in a hurry to do that right now. Um, I'm, I'm putting out one every three months, so there will be another four issues out in 2024. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then maybe at the end of 2024, after I have eight issues done, I'll think about it. But the trade book is coming out um, in February. Yeah, I'll probably kickstart it, so I'll let you mm -hmm. know. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll let you guys know too. Definitely yeah, post I'll, everything up on the local show. Definitely, oh, yeah. great! Yeah, I'll kickstart the trade book so you can binge watch. Uh, not binge, binge read. Binge read and f hear the music. And music, yeah. And um, and then you can get a sense of it uh, before anybody else, because mm. I just uh, you know. And again, I don't want you watching it on your computer. That's why you've got to get a hard copy. But it mm -hmm. will be. Do not sell your hard copy. As well Hang as on to get, it. Get yourself a copy of Blood Diner as well. Yeah, you can, and, you and, can get and, one on Amazon, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can get them on Amazon, uh, and you can rent all my movies on Amazon Prime. And I'd, rather, I'd rather have a physical copy. Yeah, I'm a physical yeah. copy. Don't keep, you? So. Yeah, that's, that's what yeah. I think. And this is this yeah. old school, you know. That's why I was, that, I was kind of kicking myself this morning because because I'm a physical copy geek, I have all these physical copies and I'm rummaging through in a last minute before heading out the house. Like, I can't find it. I swear, I have my own copy of Blood Diner on well, Blu-ray. So. You've got to bring it. You bring it on a Saturday. Yeah. So if you've right. got a copy of one of my films, just bring it on Saturday. I'll sign it. And uh, all proceeds go to the... Maui relief. I'm here yes. to help in any way I can. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, been, I don't know if you've been, you've been to Maui before. So. Oh my God, it's like a second home yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. So it, you, really, you've, you've experienced. Oh my, every, side as every, well. I have pictures. I mean, ever since oh. my my daughter is like a you know, literally grew up. You know, every mm -hmm. until she started school, we were here all the time, and then when she started school, we were here every vacation. So mm. it's, that was, you know, Lahaina was always like one of our, you know, places we would hang out, and she knows I can still visualize every part of it. This is why mm -hmm. it's it's like a, a mind-boggling. I'm a visual person, but, but literally, I, I I see where we were. I I see all the the shops, the restaurants, the yeah, street. Yeah. I, I just can't even fathom that it's not there anymore. And yeah. so, you know, anything I can do to help everyone, and everyone was, uh, has been, this has been a healing island for me, um, mm. the place where I go to. In fact, I wrote, funny story, funny fact, yeah. I wrote most of issue one on Maui. Wow. Yeah. Uh, during the, you know, during the time, downtime, yeah. just before the pandemic, yeah. I would get up and um, while she's sleeping, I'd always travel with my daughter. Um, and I'd get up and write between sunrise until about nine in the morning, and I'd always pump out, pump out. Because I, I tell you, if you're a writer, you got to sit and actually carve the time to write. Yes. Uninterrupted. Yeah. And that was always the perfect time for me. It was sunrise until nine in the morning oh, okay. um, to write. Uh, and I'd always be happy because once I wrote a really good scene, there's a kind of glee that you have mm -hmm. knowing that you wrote it. So I always share it. And then you have to share it with mm -hmm. somebody. That's, say, the, that's the artist glee right there. When you complete something, you're like, oh. You know it. Yeah, you I know, know it. it. Yeah. I, I have um, my uncle, he's an artist here on the island. Mm -hmm. So I, I've seen that in, in his in his face too when he completes an artwork. He's in Phil Sabala, Sabala Arts over here on the island. And he does like Hawaiian stuff. Yeah. And, you know, he's done, like, work in the high I'll have to like see that. his work, you know, because oh, yeah. there is that feeling. You know it. Yeah. And it's hard to explain. Um, it's like when I made Blood Diner, I knew that was, a, like, a kick-ass movie. Yeah. I, even though I, the censors and everybody was on my case, I said, do not touch it. This is, a, like, a kick-ass film. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, um, and I, but you know it. You feel it. Yeah, I felt it on, on Night Patrol. Same thing. Yeah. 
I, I, that movie was number one in New York City, uh, theatrically shipped mm-hmm. platinum in the video market. But when I, when I was shooting it, and your crew can feel it, it's really interesting because um, they feel it. I mean, my crew wanted, wanted, this is unheard of, my crew wanted to give me money. <laughs> What? Yeah, I said, not only am I working you guys so hard, they want, it, they want, they could see what it was, and everybody wants to work on something good. Mm-hmm. So suddenly, like, oh yeah, my parents have money and blah blah blah. I want to, I want to be a part of the movie. I want to fund some of the movie. I mean, um, that there's a kind of energy my when I'm shooting that mm-hmm. that you can feel it. I don't know how to explain it. You can feel mm-hmm. when it's working. Um, so the same thing with the book, and so there's a, and that's why it's lasting so long. Why am I able to really to sell out theaters all across the U.S. decades after I made the film? Mm-hmm. Uh, is because it grew, the fan base grew secretly uh, across the world. Cult, everybody. Yeah. It's called cult. It's I mean, called not, not cult, cult yes. like like oh follow me oh drink the purple juice. Right. <laughs> it's this hey, cult it's film film cult. Kind if of you yeah. know, you know. Yeah. And and you know you share it with a friend because you want this glee of sharing something good with a friend mm-hmm. and then you bond with that friend over this like crazy experience. Yeah. And that's what Blood Diner is. People like created this uh, the fan base was like this kind of a, a secret joy of of like I get this movie. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. and 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 it's weird and it delivers and it's a great time. So that's what Blood Diner does. So if you're on Maui, I don't know if everyone here is on you you play outside the everybody window. here that's watching or listening on the radio. Again, Blood Diner Saturday, November eighteenth, twenty twenty three, here at the Pro Arts Maui in Kihei. I think it's Azeka's Malka or Makai, yeah, because there's, there's two parts to the mall because yeah. there's one the one side on the cross uh, this side of the street and the other side, and um, the area that you're in it used to be a video game place back oh, in the day. Okay, and it's a huge little little spot on the inside, and when you but walk, it looks beautiful yeah. from the pictures that Lynn, who's the Lynn McEwen, yes, the beautiful yeah. um, job she did creating a theater. Uh, yeah. Community theater, you guys. Uh, if you haven't been there, this is a good opportunity oh. to check it out because mm-hmm. it, it, you're going to have a great time. And that, are we going to party afterwards somewhere? I hope there is. Uh, it's not up Nalu. to me. I'm Maybe just... at Nalu's. I think we're Nalu's. all heading to Nalu's afterwards. And uh, oh, by the way, I'm serving cookies. Ooh. Maui made cookies. I called them up and I said, I'm doing this screening. I think they think I'm nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I said, can you supply us with some, some cookies? Cookies. Yeah. cookies, because they're my favorite on the island and they're Maui made and I'm doing a Maui oh. screening. And this is the first, you had mentioned this, on the island. Mm-hmm. First uh, yeah. screening of my film. It is, because um, I don't think your film ever played here on the island, even back in the day, because... I think a lot of the movie theaters in the 80s were already just mainstream stuff, you know. Uh, they were showing okay. Batman or whatever, you know. But um, there was one theater, EL Theater, back in the day that actually showed, like, creepy, scary movies mm-hmm. along with kung fu films. What people would consider to be called a grindhouse. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know the one, you know, you know the ones where they, you, can, you stay a little after midnight mm-hmm. with all the dirty men. <laughs> No, there was the grindhouse is like a, a Night Patrol played in a grindhouse in yeah. Chicago. Best audience ever. Oh yeah. Best yeah. it was like they're massive. The old grindhouses were the old. You could smoke in a theater yeah. too back then too. Ma- <laughs> <laughs> there were like it felt like a thousand people were in this theater. Jam packed. Yeah. I mean it was like like 
and, and I remember Night Patrol was playing, and it was the most jaded audience ever. Every joke, they're going, oh, that's terrible. Oh, right, the first 10 minutes, right? Mm. And because I have this, this theory about the first 10 minutes, you've got to hook the audience somewhere. Yeah. So they're like, they're like predicting every joke, and they're like being this you know, really mm. rambunctious mm. kind of audience. And then suddenly in the psychiatrist scene, do you remember the, the if you haven't seen Night yeah. Patrol, the psychiatrist do. does a joke and he turns to the audience and the audience goes, ah, I mean, this huge groan from everybody in the theater, a thousand people mm-hmm. and this massive grindhouse. And he turns to the audience, he turns to the camera and says, ah, yourself. And the, <laughs> <laughs> the whole audience lost it because I predicted oh they God. were going to go, ah, yeah. and then from that moment, they loved the film. From that moment, Vincent Canby in the New York Times gave it a great review, saying, "I didn't want to laugh, but this movie made me laugh." Mm-hmm. And so, I, from beginning to end, it was consistently funny, which is like the best compliment you can get as a filmmaker, because it's really hard to be consistent, it, even with a horror film. Mm-hmm. Consistently scary. Usually, when you start introducing the plot or other characters, it starts going downhill. You've seen that in the movies, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, especially comedies. They got the, the funny, funny, and then all of a sudden they've got to introduce the plot, and then it goes, it's not funny anymore. It becomes a little bit serious. Yeah. A little bit serious. Kind of like the, exposition. The, kind of like the planes, trains, automobile kind of deal. Like you know, you get this, you get these two characters. They hate the, one hates the other one, and it's real goofy. And then you get to a point where it's like, oh wait, you yeah. kind of feel for the characters. It fizzles now. out. Yeah. It fizzles yeah. out, and it's like so f- to get a, a, a review saying consistently funny from beginning to end from uh, one of the toughest awesome. critics yeah. in the country was like, I sent him flowers. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I didn't know him, but when I, they called me from the distributor and said, you won't believe this, you got this killer review in the New York wow. Times. And I said, when I read it, I go, okay, I'm sending him flowers mm-hmm. uh, to thank him for that. Because he kept awesome. saying, I can't wait to see what she does next. But yeah. it wasn't an easy road because being Asian, being female, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Hollywood was not very. Even if I proved myself over and over and over, it was not very accepting. Oh. Of, uh, of they always would think, "Oh, she's lucky." <laughs> no matter how hard you friggin' work, it's like, "Oh, she's just lucky." She got. And, and after you do it four or five times, you're going, mm-hmm. "Okay, you know what? I, I, I'm not lucky. I did the mm-hmm. work, right? Yeah. And the work and the movies play like, or the proof of the pudding, and they mm-hmm. and they're." And everyone loves them. So why is it always that if you're a female director, you're kind of just a, you lucked out? You know? I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully that will change. I, I, you know, you're right up there with like favorite female directors, definitely, because, you know, it's rare. Again, it's rare. But now, now we're living in a time where there's a lot of female directors coming out. Have you even given like maybe just a little thought, like if somebody came to you and it's like, oh, we'd like to... Put well, you in the director's seat again for something, or well, I might do the pilot for Spend the Night. Okay. Yeah, I would do that to set the tone, and then I'd bring in a lot of other young directors to come in because mm-hmm. I don't have the, the desire to direct twenty episodes <laughs> of the show. Guest but star I, but, directors and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah I'd bring in uh, you know other directors to come in, but I would set the tone in the pilot and okay. for everything, and uh, maybe one or two. Um, Possibly three. Depends on how much mm-hmm. I like when I'm doing it. A horror series and the way it's are coming really out. popular yeah. nowadays too. So yeah, well, horror the, itself is very popular. It's again. gone more mainstream. When I was mm-hmm. doing it, it was considered pretty fringe. Mm-hmm. You're on the outskirts of of good taste and everything yeah. else, you know. So now it's become mainstream, which is interesting. 
because the kids love it. More women are in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the, the more fans, the fan base has changed. Yeah. You know, it, it's really interesting. And still, this movie delivers. But what, what, I, w- what I would do is definitely, oh, yeah, this is what I wanted to mention to you. I am actually, because I was sort of a groundbreaking director in horror back then, mm-hmm. now I'm a groundbreaking female creator. I love that title, creator. Oh. They call you a creator. In fact, I was like, I like that better than director. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the You went from groundbreaking filmmaker to groundbreaker creator. creator now. I found awesome. out there aren't that many female creators. I feel like there's a lot because I, I met so many. Met, did yeah. you meet a lot? Okay, I have not. I'm actually on my a tat- panel. My tattoo artist is a female creator. She's oh, fantastic. The most awesome. Like everything she did it, on me is just. No, yeah, I yeah. love your tattoo. You meet her on Saturday night. Francine Wallraven, amazing person. Okay, now she's she done a comic book. Uh, no, but a lot of artwork. She does her own. Uh, she did her own adult coloring book. But when I'm talking about creators, I'm talking about a creator of a series. Oh, okay, series, of a comic no. book series. It's mostly all men. Yeah. Uh, there are a few Peach Momoko um, that she's, are doing well. To, yeah, uh, alone as a creator here on Maui, and then like she's well. well I want to meet her because people. I'm on a panel at mm-hmm. LA Comic Con December second called mm-hmm. Femme Comic Book Creators. Oh wow! And it's me, um, yeah. uh, Harley Salabaka from okay. Boom Comics, mm-hmm. and also. Um, um, Celeste Brofman from um, she does Mar- she writes for Marvel. Okay. Because I wanted to assemble us. I actually put it together and presented it to them. And go, mm-hmm. yeah, we got to have a, a femme comic female book creator. creators assemble. Yes. <laughs> and, and and that's not to say that you know my films have always had a crew of, of women mm-hmm. behind the camera, and um, so I don't even get this bizarre exclusion, quite honestly. And yeah. my and my uh, my. Cast and crew are always diverse. Mm-hmm. I, you know, female key grip. I mean, it's, you know, things that are normally, it just made sense to me because yeah. they were good at doing what they their job. Yeah. Uh, if you're good at doing what your job, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're male, female, what nationality mm-hmm. you are, you, you mm-hmm. just want good people working with you. Mm-hmm. So you know, I can't even believe this conversation still going on that they have to. You know, um, I, I can slam a couple of people that have actually hurt women with the ability for women to move into the fields mm-hmm. of horror. And um, um, and I don't want to do that today. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do, do that, that today. today. Yeah, let's not. Yeah. Let's just have some fun. Let's and you know what? Like, yeah. Because, but the thing is, though, to horror fans, mm-hmm. we don't look at that too much. Yeah. I, re- I really don't because I, again, I love all horror creations, book, comics, movies, even literature. You right. Know? But you know and what? Because so many... it comes down to this. You're telling a story. Yeah. And so you're either telling a story. What form are you telling a story? In a, ho- in a horror film, in a comic book, in a song, in, you know. Novels, yeah. I used to do puppet shows when I was a kid. <laughs> and I realized, oh, I was just telling stories. Yeah. At, at the kids' parties. And then the, the kids didn't pay any attention. <laughs> And I look up from behind my little uh, my little stand that I built to do mm-hmm, these puppets, mm-hmm. and the only person watching was this actor named Jimmy Hong. Jimmy Hong. James, James Hong. James. Oh, yeah. From Big Trouble Little China. Yes. Oh yes. wow. And he was a friend of my mom's. Oh wow. And they were they used to do uh, Desi Lu Playhouse together back oh. in Hollywood in the old days, 
And so, and he was like very appreciative of my effort to tell these stories. But anyway, that's the Jackie Kong history a little bit. That is awesome. I was always telling stories. So, um, isn't it crazy though? As well, you know, nowadays too, because Asians are being put on the map. Because you got a lot of Asian produced movies are popular now. Well, you know why? My friend, I tried to bring over. This is pre Matrix, pre. uh, that's appeared. I went. My friend, I went to Golden Harvest, and I said, mm-hmm. I want to look at all your movies. And they had just had an office in Beverly Hills because they were selling some of their films to New Line Cinema at the time. Okay, yeah. yeah. And that they'd have to dub. So my, so I called them up. I had no idea it was Raymond Chow's daughter, Roberta oh, wow. Chow. Okay. okay. <laughs> so she'd always say, well, how can I help you? She's a Stanford literature grad. I said, I need to look at your films because I want to bring over those choreographers, um, Corey Yoon, all these guys that they yeah, use in yeah. Matrix, right? And, um, and I want to try to make a film using a, a, a narrative, a storyline that makes sense for uh, the Western idea because you yeah. can't... You can't do a, a, a kung fu movie with no story, no characters mm-hmm. here. It won't play as well. Mm-hmm. And, she, and I, she, she's hilarious. She said she, she came to my wedding here on Maui. I oh, got okay. married in Maui, and wow, she and her nice. husband came, and, and we got married in Little McKenna, near Little McKenna Beach. Yeah. And um, so she goes, Jackie, you know, um, we don't in Hong Kong um, have any script. We shoot these amazing fight scenes. And then we try to figure out the story. <laughs> and I said, and she goes, that's why, because that doesn't make a lot, that's the whole thing that's what we're selling. And I said, well, imagine if you could write great characters and a great story and then infuse it with mm-hmm. these master, uh, you know, martial arts yeah. masters and those you know, like mind-blowing fight scenes, which they now use in John Wick and that knife fight scene. Yeah, and that that's right. Crazy good stuff. Um, oh man! But uh, well, anyway, Caesar playing that, yeah. But, again, but that would that would have been a Jackie Kong thing. But yeah. they laughed me out of the room and said, "Who's going to want to see a Chapisaki movie?" You know. What is that? I want it. I want to watch yeah. the movie. I want to see a choppy sake movie. Come on. What? No, with a female lead, because I had a female lead on top of that. And I said, this is pre-Laura uh, Croft. you got to remember, this yeah. was like, you know, they're, they're coming off of guy action movies, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, no, guys yeah. don't want to see got, that. We got Jackie Chan a lot now. So, yeah, we yeah, got yeah. Jackie Chan. Yeah. And then uh, but when it came to like, now you have a lot I of I wanted to bring Michelle Yao yeah, way back. Yeah. You know, um, this magnificent warrior days. Oh yeah. my God, she was one of yeah. the best. Have you ever seen some of her early fight sequences out of oh. Hong Kong? Like mind-blowingly yeah. good, and she did all her own stunts. Oh, and we are, we are, our oh, hour is we up. <laughs> we ended up. Our hour is up already. I'm so sorry. We're yes. definitely gonna have you back. Okay, well, yeah, d- we we'll can talk, talk a whole bunch right. of stuff. Yeah. Sorry, we I got off track. <laughs> Me too. I got off track too. <laughs> but then again, everybody, uh, Blood Diner this Saturday at Pro Arts Maui in Kihei, uh, 7.30 p.m. For more information, call 808-463-6550. Jackie Kong, pleasure to have you on the show. It's so it awesome. I, the time went by like it's that. just like that. Again, Blood Diner, everybody. We're out of here. Come Aloha. and see me there. Yes. Chee-hoo.
Maui all the time, anywhere you go. Maui Stream for Maui lovers. An all-new mobile app for your phone. Watch Maui's community channels live in HD. Find your favorite programs with custom playlists. Submit your own videos. Listen to KAKU 88.5. Available now on the App Store and Google Play. Maui Stream. Three islands, one stream. Maui's free speech station. KAKU 88.5 FM, Kahului Maui. The voice of Maui. The Sonic Cafe. Here we go again. Here we go again. we go again. Go again. Here we 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 go again.